You are listening to a program that attempts to bring you information that is difficult to get anywhere else. Important information, information that every adult needs to have and know. Information that will determine whether your family has intergenerational wealth or not. Information not so much will determine, but will will help to educate you and inform you on how to make sure that the wealth that you accumulate can be passed down in the best way, the most efficient way, the most effective way, the most cost-effective way uh, possible. Uh, We want everyone to know that doing your will is not a sad thing. As one of my clients said yesterday, I thought was really nice. I learn from my clients all the time. I really do. I like my clients, and I learn a lot from them. But he said that it was an empowering experience. It went from being a sad responsibility to an empowering experience. And that really touched me. It it really um, it makes sense because that's really what you're doing. Um, when you do your will or your trust or have your power of attorney done and your medical directives done, when you make sure that your beneficiary designations are the way that you want them to be in the best way uh, and so on, when you make sure your bank accounts and so forth are um, in order, you are empowering yourself as a form of empowerment for yourself, and when you know that you've taken care of your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your loved ones, your churches, your the, the causes that are important to you, it's empowering. And many of my clients have said that they sleep better at night because they know that this has been taken care of. So each week, I come on the radio to tell you about how this can be done. Each person's circumstances are different, and so you really have to go to your own individual lawyer and talk with them about your circumstance, what you want, what considerations you have, what concerns you have, and let them guide you and then prepare for you the documents that will accomplish that, will get your money where you want it to go, will protect your children or grandchildren, whatever it is that you want to do. That's what this program talks about each week. And because this is talk radio, you have the opportunity to call in and ask questions. And I want to encourage you to do so. This is a good time to ask questions about deeds, about wills, what happens to property when someone dies, what can you do? What are some of the things that you can do? Please remember, however, that this is only information and educational material. Okay, there's no attorney-client relationship established by anything said on this program or anything that's in either of my websites. I have two websites. This, the website for this program, lawtalkwithethelmitchell.com, and also another website from my law firm called willsandtrust.net. And I have to remember to tell you I have a podcast. For those of you who 
like to listen to podcasts. You can listen to it on the radio. You can, I'm sorry, I don't know how you do it, but you can listen to it. I know 24-7, someone recently told me they listen to it as they're driving back and forth from work. Um, so go to any Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of the podcasting platforms, and you can tune in and listen to the individual podcasts. We number them as well as you t- we tell you what the subject matter is. Um, so you can go back to them if you want, and you can tell your friends about them. So please take advantage of this, okay? This program is brought to you by my law office, which is called Wills and Trust LLC. We're the only kind of law we do is to prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. Give us a call at 240-638-2828. If you or someone you know needs a will, a trust, a power of attorney, or assistance in administering a state, our number is 240-638-2828. Okay, please do this, take advantage of it, get this done, and then don't worry about it, okay? You, you, you really want to start to use the law to empower yourself because law itself is truly powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know about the law will definitely hurt you. And what you don't do to take advantage of what the law allows you to do for yourself and for your family can hurt you and hurt them as well also. So each week, the objective of this program is to empower you by bringing you information that's useful, that you can then take advantage of. And because when you know more, when you know better, you can do better. And please take advantage of this. I'm also going to be urging you each week to make sure that you can vote. Double-check your voting status. Double-check where you vote at. Get your friends, your families, your children, whoever is legally able to vote. Make sure they are prepared to, they're following politics, they're following what the leaders are saying, and that they intend to and do go and vote. Get your churches involved, get groups involved to make sure, because voting is truly powerful. It determines what kind of government we have. It determines what kind of laws are passed. It determines what kind of taxes we have and what that tax money is used for. African Americans are one of the biggest voting blocks in the country. But we are inconsistent when it comes to always voting. When we do vote, we elect president. You know, when we vote in conjunction with people of like mind and of like thought, we can change the course of history. But when we don't vote, we let other people get ahead and take advantage of, and they know we don't vote. And they take advantage of that. They know a lot of times that, This big block of people, they don't show up during the midterm elections, during the off seasons. Like during presidents, we show up, but like this year is a off season, so to speak, because there's not a presidential election. But there are a lot of other important elections that are going on. 
I want to encourage you, every time there is an election, to vote. Get out and vote. And not only vote, I'd love to see more people get involved in different governmental organizations. A lot of you are retired, and y'all are intelligent, and you have a lot of energy, and you have a lot of time right now. And I would love to see more people. And I don't mean just African American. All people. I would love to see more groups get involved in zoning, in school boards, in public safety committees. There are all these city and state and county organizations that are quasi-governmental. And you need to be involved in those kinds of things because that's where a lot of things get done. That's where a lot of laws are are discussed and how they're implemented and what gets done and what doesn't get done. So if you have children or grandchildren in schools, not only go to the schools, go to the school board meetings, volunteer in voting, become a, a volunteer at, at voting places, you know, or work in those kinds of organizations. You can truly not just affect change, but guard that change. You know, it's important. It really is. And definitely sit on juries. Once we start opening up to juries, go and sit on the jury and determine who's guilty or innocent using your own common sense and your own experience. So let me get back to what I talk about every week, wills and trusts. But I'm going to be emphasizing that all year because I want people to know and to do the things that you need to do to empower yourself and to keep that power and to exercise that power. So let me get back. Every week I tell you that you need to have three basic documents at the very least. Every adult needs to have a last will and testament, a power of attorney, and advanced medical directive. A last will and testament, a power of attorney, and advanced medical directives. I don't do one thing or the other, okay? I, if I do, so don't, don't call me if you just want a power of attorney. Okay, don't call me if you just want one document. Now, if you, because you need all three, you really do. And the time and energy it takes you to make decisions about one, you can make the same decisions about all three. I'll return the medical directive in the last will and testament, okay? Because you really do. I, I used to at the beginning do just one or two, or I remember I did a will for a lady one time and her family insisted that they didn't need the pop. No, they wanted a power of attorney and a medical directive, but they, they, they kept saying, she doesn't need a will. She doesn't need a will. And I, and I said, okay, and I did it. And after she died, they discovered some assets they didn't know she even had, but there was no will. And it was going to be very difficult to get that those assets and those assets were going to go somewhere else and not to the people that she originally wanted to benefit, who had taken care of her and who she had clearly said she wanted to get her stuff. So after that, I, I will do a will, a power attorney, and a medical directive together. Now, if you already have one or two of those things, I'm going to look at it. If they're fine, I'm going to tell you you're fine. I don't have to repeat it. But a lot of times people don't have what they need. And so please know I'm going to always do my best 
to make sure that you have everything that you need. Some people can use a trust. Not everybody needs to have a trust, but some people can. A trust is very effective if you have property in different states. A trust is almost mandatory if you have minor children or heirs or intended beneficiaries who cannot manage what you're going to be leaving for them. A trust allows you to put in place central control and supervision over a period of time, okay, for your intended probate. And when used properly, it can be a form of avoiding the court process of probate, which um, you may want to consider doing. It's slow. It can be expensive. Um, and so a lot of people use trust to try to avoid that. Not everybody needs it, okay? Not everybody needs it. But I want to really encourage you to get these things done. Because this is all we do, we do probate, people come to us, after someone get, because this is all we do, we do probate, people come to us after someone has died. We really see every week the effect of not having a will or not having a trust. And um, this week I had a really, you know, sad situation. Uh, a lady had worked all her life. She had finally reached the point where she was getting ready to retire. She had significant retirement savings. She had a very large life insurance policy, and she was getting ready to retire. Um, she didn't have any will. She, she and she died. She died. Um, quite suddenly. And by the way, please don't let your guard down about COVID. It is still killing people, okay? I had a client in the office yesterday who's lost both parents to COVID during Christmas. Both parents died to COVID during Christmas. Another client called me about a week and a half ago when I had just gotten back to say one of her best friends had contracted COVID. She was in her late 50s, early 60s, and died. So don't take your mask off. Don't say you don't need to get the shots and the boosters. Please know that this disease is still killing people. They can change the name from pandemic to endemic or whatever, but it can still kill you. So please, I beg of you, don't let your guards down, okay? But back to the situation I, I was describing. This lady died rather suddenly and had no will. Because she had no will, you may hear me say, the law of intestacy governs how distribution of her property would go. People ask me often, what happens, Attorney Mitchell, when you die without a will? Well, let me explain how it works to you. Every state has what's called the law of intestate succession or maybe the law of intestacy 
And you can think of it this way. The will is actually called the last will and testament. The last will and testament. That's the full name that we, you know, when we say the whole name. And when you die without a will, the law says that you died intestate. Intestate, meaning that you died without a will. And when you die without a will, the, the lawyer has to go to your state law and look up the law of intestate succession. And that law now governs. Remember, I keep telling you, law is powerful. That law says what happens to your property when you die without a will. Because you didn't say. So now the law says. And courts do not want to hear verbally what you told somebody you wanted. Because people can make up anything once you're dead, and they do, okay? They don't want to hear, oh, but Mama always said this was supposed to happen. Or I was her godchild, and she said I was going to get her stuff. Or I was her niece, and I was supposed to get her stuff. Or I loaned her money, or I fixed up her house. And I'm supposed to get that back. None of that is admissible if there is not a valid uh, writing, okay? If there's not a valid writing, okay? So please um, do a will. Do a will. Because the law of intestate succession does not do or say what you think it says. For example... If you are married, even if you are married and you have children, in many states, unless your spouse's name is on the title, like on your deed, on your bank account, or payable on death beneficiary, when you die, your spouse, any property that is not titled in such a way, as to go automatically to someone else, that property goes under the law of intestate succession. And so in many states, in most states, if you have children with or without that spouse, those children inherit a percentage of the deceased spouse's estate. And in many instances, when people have children outside of their marriage, and when I say outside, I mean not of the same spouse. So let's say Mr. Robert Jones had been married before. He has two children by his first marriage. His wife died. He remarries again. A lady who has two children of her own, okay, they get together. They live together, you know, 20, 30 years, and he dies. Mr. Robert Jones's wife does not inherit all of his property unless he put her name on the deed or on the property. Instead, let's say he kept his name on the on the deed, just to keep it simple, and they never did a will. They never went to a lawyer to see how to make this work the way they wanted it to work. 
He didn't say that she had a right to live in the house or anything like that. And so when he dies, she finds out, Ms. Beulah Jones, his wife, that she now has to share the value of that house with his other children. Let me repeat, not her children, but his children. And I have had cases where the other children, the children who are not hers, that were the husband's children from another relationship before the marriage or even during the marriage, it doesn't matter as long as it's his child, has forced a parent, a spouse, a wife or a husband to get out of the house and sell it because in some instances, in some states, Mr. Robert Jones's child is given by law two-thirds of the value of Mr. Robert Jones's property, and his wife only got one-third. I've had that actual case where the child didn't like the wife anyway and said, I want, I want the value of the house. I want everything that I was supposed to get from my father. And because my father did not empower his wife, I insist that I want the full two-thirds value of that house. And this lady had to sell the house and gave the, the in this case, it was a daughter, two-thirds of the net proceeds from the sale of the house, and the wife only got one-third because that's what the law of intestate succession said in that particular state. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. If you have questions, call in while I'm here on the air at 1-800-450-7876, 1-800-450-7876. If you'd like me to work with you to do your documents or review the documents that you have, call me at 240-638-2828. Two four zero six three eight two eight two eight. I'm talking right now about the law of intestate succession, which is the law that governs the disposition of your property when you die if you have not done a will. In the instance that I just gave where the husband had a child that was not the child of his spouse, the law of intestate succession in that state gave the child two-thirds of the husband's property, which included his house, and gave the wife only one-third. In some states, it's three-fourths. In other states, it's one-half. In some states, it's, you know, a spousal allowance, 15000 40000 something like that. And then... It's divided in percentages. The law of intestate succession governs also when you don't have a spouse, which is quite common, actually. Um, So 
if you die and you don't have a spouse uh, and you have children, all of your children now stand in equal shares. They all get equal shares. It doesn't matter that you lived in the house with the, the parent and took care of the parent for years. It doesn't matter that you may have contributed more or that they promised you that you would get the house, okay? If they don't do a will, and I mean a properly drawn up, properly executed last will and testament, the law of intestate succession will determine. Remember I said law is powerful? It's going to save, and it's going to direct the disposition of your property. Even if you die married without children, in many many states, your parents now inherit with your spouse. And again, I've had those cases where a wife died. I don't forget, there was somebody that was kind of close to me. Wife died without a, a, a will. Husband, no children husband assumed that he got everything whatever reason they never put his name on the deed and guess what we had the devil of the time with her parents because they wanted their share and when it comes to money and death people get real greedy they forget all the good times that they had together and they want their money okay so please get your wills done get your trust done have them done by your own individual lawyer. Please don't go buy them off the shelf or online because certainly the ones that you get, the forms that you get in some of these stores or online are not always valid. I've had people bring me wills that were done even in hospitals. You know, when somebody's on their deathbed, somebody goes run and gets a, a little form and they sign it. They're not executed properly. There are no witnesses. And just signed with a notary and no witnesses is not sufficient. Okay? Remember, though, whatever I say on this program or whatever is in the podcast, and I invite you to go to the podcast, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, um, are for educational and informational purposes only. There's no attorney-client relationship established by anything said on the podcast, on the radio, or in, on any of the websites. I have two websites. One is called lawtalkwithethelmitchell.com. I invite you to go there. It, it, it shows many of the programs I've had over the years. Uh, because I don't have a producer or someone to help me right now, I haven't uploaded much to that website in a little while at least, but there's still like seven or eight years worth of programs up there. Um, Next month we'll make eight years that I've been doing this program. So there's a lot of good stuff on that website. Um, The audio of this program, many of the audio programs are what we are uploading to the podcast. So please do go take advantage of it. The podcasts are great because you can hear them anytime. Uh, so do do that. I, I'm, it's all there for your benefit. Um, most of us are the children and grandchildren of people who really worked hard 
okay? We are the children and grandchildren of men and women who were maids, cleaned houses, um, uh, did, uh, worked in fields, were farmers. If you're black, like I am, many of us are the children and grandchildren of slaves. If you are not black, but you are and a white, you are often the children of really hardworking poor people too. Certainly if you are Polish or Irish or Russian or in almost any nationality anywhere on earth, Hispanic, uh, Mexican, Guatemala, and so on, your families worked really hard. They worked hard. They sacrificed. And certainly if you're immigrants or, or not, um, almost all of us are the beneficiaries of people who worked really hard and saved and made it possible for us to do what we're doing. It made it possible for you to listen to this on the radio. It made it possible for you to be able to, or us to be able to buy homes and to um, send our kids to school, to have shelter and food and clothing and all of the things that money brings. Even if you're still working for it and paying for it, somebody got you there. And one of the things, or help could get you there, and now you're doing the same thing or you have done the same thing. Um, if you are retired and you're receiving a retirement income, you worked for that. Probably worked hard for it, too. So unlike the generation before us, however, the law says when you have property, in order to pass it down, be sure that it gets passed down to who you want to have it, you have to have a will. You have to have a maybe a trust, maybe, depending on how you want it passed down. And you have to be sure that the title to your property, your deeds, say what they should say. You want to make sure that your bank account the title on your bank account, meaning whose name is on your bank account as the owner, and who's on your bank account as a beneficiary are in order and say what you want them to say. You have stuff now. Not like before where maybe, you know, our families didn't have a lot. Uh, a lot of people have land you know, family land and so on. And because in those days it wasn't a big deal to have a, you know, a will or something like that, a lot of air properties all mixed up and you can't do anything with it because no one told our, our forefathers that they needed to have a will or they needed to make sure that the deeds were changed in the way that they wanted them to go. So I want to encourage you not to put your head in the sand, not to be sad about doing a will or anything. Because when you die, somebody's going to get your stuff. When you die, everything gets left right here. Somebody's going to live in your house, and somebody's going to spend your money. And you might as well be 
the person who is in control of and says who that is. You need a lawyer to help you do that, to prepare the appropriate documents so that your wishes are followed. A lawyer who can give you ideas and make suggestions, who can prepare the appropriate documents and to help you prepare the documents and if necessary, fill out the beneficiary designations and so on, so that you can rest comfortably knowing that you have made provisions to empower the persons or the organizations that you want to make use of the property that you have accumulated during your lifetime so that you can rest knowing that your children and your grandchildren are provided for with the results of your labor. It's not going to get squandered on unnecessary legal fees. It's not going to get squandered on tax problems, on tax sales, on fighting among family, on any of the things that happen every day because people never did a will. So please look at it as a way of empowering the next generation. Look at it as a way of being of benefit, of being of service to someone else in, you know, in a way that is tangible. I mean, when you leave your home to your child or your grandchild, you gave them a roof over their head. When you make sure that your spouse either gets the house or can live in the house for the rest of their life, you make sure that they keep a roof over their head. And don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted, please. Don't say, oh, well, my children will never put my spouse out. They will. They can. I've seen people turn real ugly when they get when they find out that they have access to or they know that they have access to money okay i'm working with a case right now that's like that that you know people all of a sudden are not very nice to the same people that had helped them over and over and over again for years i understand i have a caller on the line good morning may i help you Good morning, Ms. Mitchell. Yes, good morning. Good morning. How can I help you? Okay. Um, uh, my wife passed in 2015. Um, we owned okay. the, um, sorry, the property was in her name, and the, the property and the mortgage were in her name only. Um, we owned yeah. the properties by tenants by entirety. So the deed and everything is recorded. But I'm I'm I can't get the bank to talk to me or or do anything. So since then I've been basically going into the bank and paying the mortgage, but it's it's getting I don't know stressful to say the least. And I'm trying to figure out what is it that I need to do. I've been downtown and they're saying I don't need to that the property does not need to be probated because your tenants by entirety. But um, it seems like the bank already knows that. And but when you call in, they won't. They won't say anything, and they keep saying, your name's not on the mortgage. 
um, we can't talk to you. Your name's not on the mortgage, and they just keep, you know, this hasn't gone on for the last five years. And I'm, I know it's something I'm supposed to be able to do. I did talk to the community, um, um, so others might eat lawyer, and they said generally under the the Garn St. Germain Act, I'm yeah. supposed to be able to mm-hmm. assume the mortgage or something, but they nobody's giving me specific information that I need to tell these people so that I can at least have a way to figure out um, how to transfer it over to my name or whatever. Well, you said two different things that either one is right or one is wrong, or, or I should say it can't be both. If the house title, meaning the deed, is in tenants by the entirety, then that doesn't – then your wife didn't own it alone. In other words, okay. if, your, if your name is on the deed with your wife's name, then that's – in order for it to be tenants by the entirety, both names – both it can only be spouses, okay? So if right. both names are on the deed, then that's how you get tenants by the entirety. And although you don't – well, generally speaking, you don't have to have another deed – what I do do for many people nowadays, just to make it clear, is I do a confirmatory deed that says, so-and-so, the two of you owned it together as tenants by the entirety. One of you died, you know, and I have a death certificate with it. And therefore, this is confirming that the survivor is the sole owner of this property. Okay, so maybe that might help. Usually you don't need to do that, but just because of this kind of a situation, that might be what needs to be done. I don't know. Now, maybe what you were saying is that, and I'm just guessing here, your wife's name was the only name on the mortgage. There's a difference between the title to the house, which is your deed, and the debt on the house which is the mortgage. And sometimes for a whole bunch of different reasons, one person will be on the mortgage. And even though their name is on, your name has to be on the deed in order for your name to be on a mortgage. Let me put it like that. Quite often one spouse will be on the mortgage and not the other one. Maybe I'm guessing here that that might be what, your situation is i don't know and you know you'd have to call the office and scan it in and let me take a look at it and then see where we go from there but that sounds like it might be the situation i don't know um and, and so i don't know i mean i you'd have to call me and we'd have to look at it and see where we go from there okay okay that sounds like it might be what what is going on i don't know Okay. I don't know. Can I elaborate a little further? So when when we originally bought the property, it was uh, the deed was only in hers. We weren't married then. Ah, okay. Okay. So, so w- once we got married, we redid the deed to show tenants by entirety. Excellent. Okay. But you didn't redo the mortgage. No. That's where it is. That's where the problem is. Because the house belong to both of you, but by not redoing the mortgage, the debt, the contract between the bank and you using the house as security only had her name on it. 
and we'd have to look at that mortgage to see what it says and if under the law of the state where the property is, the property or the debt rather goes with the title to the house, which is, I mean, it's there. I mean, you, you, if you stop paying the mortgage, they, they're going to take the house, you know, because it's a, it's a secure debt. I'll put it like that. But I don't know if the bank is required to recognize you as the mortgage holder at this point. I just don't know the answer to that. Okay. okay. We'd have to actually look at the actual mortgage and, you know, and that's, that's not really, I probably would recommend a, a, a business lawyer to do that because that's more of a contra- contractual question there. Um, I have been told that in certain states, if, did your wife die without a will? Yes. Ah, ah, ah. In some states, I have been told, I've not had to use it, but I have been told that if there were a will that said, you know, that you were to get the property, then the banks have to respect that. Okay. But I don't know the answer off the top of my head. Okay. I'd have to, I'd recommend that you go to a, a lawyer that deals with mortgages and banks and so on and have them look at your state law and see what it actually says. I'm just glad that they, well, keep paying the mortgage. So, you know, don't stop paying the mortgage. You know, don't stop paying the mortgage. Uh, At least they haven't come to try and take it. But I think that's what the issue is. The problem is is there. So please make sure you do your will so that whoever comes after you won't have this problem. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, seriously, seriously, okay? But that's okay. thank you for calling because that is okay. that is a very common issue. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Yeah, and it thank just you. really shows the importance. Okay, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. This is brought to you by my law office, Wills and Trusts LLC, where the only kind of law we do is Wills, Trusts, and Estate Planning. Give us a call at two four zero six three eight. 2828-240-638-2828. If you have a question about these issues and you want to, call me while I'm now on the air at 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. The question that the, the gentleman just asked is another great reason why you want to have a will. If his wife had a will, it would there would be no question. I, well, I shouldn't say it like that. Even if the, if she had a will, there might be even more, you know, legal backing for making for making the bank recognize him. I I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But it certainly would have helped. It certainly would not hurt. So, if you are married, even please have a will. Please, if you are married and only one person's name is on the mortgage, you may want to consider talking to someone about putting both names on the on the mortgage. One of the circumstances that uh, is really, really critical, uh, I didn't really have to resolve it, but where you have a reverse mortgage on property and only one person's name is on the reverse mortgage, that can be a very serious problem because if that person, the name on the reverse mortgage, dies first, 
reverse mortgage people want their money when you die, period. And the fact that the surviving spouse is still alive, even if their name is on the deed, may not, may not prevent them from insisting on having the mortgage paid off. Because remember, a reverse mortgage means that when the person who took out the mortgage dies, you're supposed to pay the mortgage back. And those mortgages are so ridiculously expensive, meaning that the interest on those mortgages does more than compound. It just grows and grows so fast. I've had so many people come to me who had gotten reverse mortgages, and it's it's just heartbreaking. So don't get a reverse mortgage if you don't have to. Please, I don't care who tells you that on the radio. Those are not good investments uh, unless it is the last choice and you really need the money. Don't get it if you if you want your children or somebody else to get your house. Um, the way in which they grow, the, the debt on which they grow is just outrageous. I was told they were designed for one purpose and they're now being used for another. And more than any other reason, I'm seeing them as being the reason that people are losing their family homes. So be very careful about that. And if you already have one and you can't afford to pay them off because that's what happens, they say, oh, you can always pay it off. No, you can't, not usually, because you got it in the first place. Usually the reason is because you needed the money. I understand that I have another caller on the line. Good morning. May I help you? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can oh. hear you now. All right, good. Uh, my name is Derek. I'm from uh, Maryland. Okay. My question, my question is, I have the three documents already in place uh, with my mother. Uh, I'm her power okay. attorney. I'm her son. Um, and all the documents have been filed with the courts and where she lives. So my mom's health is declining. And I'm handling her affairs as her power of attorney right now. So uh-huh. what I would like, what I would like to do is place um, her assets and, and my assets as well into a trust account. So the question is, should I do this now while she's still living, or would it be more difficult to do it once she transitions? Very good question. Very very good question. Um, let me let me put it like this. Number one. If she owns a home in her name and her will says that, you know, you're going to get this home, I'm I'm making a distinction between, I'm answering it with, there are two different answers, okay, so please understand that. Real property, a house, a home, is called real property in the law, and money, bank accounts, and so on is called personal property, okay? A home is an asset that has what we call a basis. And what that means is, let's say your mom paid $50,000 for her home when she bought it, and let's say it's now worth $200,000, okay? If you transfer that home while she is alive, you will have to, well, you get her basis. And what that means, and I'm sorry it's a long answer, but I want you to understand this, is that when you get her home, 
you get it at the value that she got it at, which is $50,000. But let's say you decide you want to sell it later on, maybe after she dies, you want to sell it. Well, you've got to pay Uncle Sam uh, uh, taxes on the gain between 50000 and 200000 It's called a capital gain tax, which can be up to 20%. So we usually recommend that you don't transfer a home or real property or something that has a basis which is low to the person that's going to get it eventually before the death of the person who owns it right now. A lot of people are getting caught with that in D.C., okay? Now, that being said, <clears throat> there are types of deeds. In Maryland, it's called a, um enhanced life estate deed that could be done now while she's alive that says, when I die, I'm sorry, Maryland does it differently. D.C.'s deeds say transfer on death, meaning that when I die, my son gets my property. That's, that's D.C. And, and, and Virginia says transfer on death works like that. Maryland has what's called an enhanced life estate deed, which says I, I transfer my deed to my son and reserve to myself a life estate meaning she can stay in her house as long as she's alive. But when she dies, you own the house. And that has been interpreted under Maryland law as allowing you to get what's called a step-up in basis when she dies. Because what happens is if you don't get it until she dies, you get it at 200000 in my example. And you don't have to worry about having to pay a capital gains tax on the gain that she earned when she bought something for fifty thousand and it grows to being worth two hundred thousand. So that's that's a long but important answer to the question about how you know if if, if part of your mother's property is a house, okay? Or, or, or anything that has a low basis, a low tax basis. And usually for most people, that would be the house. And here in this area, a lot of people are getting caught with the capital gains tax because nobody told them that. And their parents are deeding their properties to them while they're alive, thinking that that way they're going to avoid probate and, and all kind of stuff like that. They're going to get the house anyway. But in fact, what they're doing is costing their children a tremendous amount of taxes. Uh, I've had people to sell houses not knowing it and then end up paying half the money in taxes. That's unnecessary. Okay, so that number one, that's that's number one. Number two, the 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 bank accounts that your mother has. I would prefer to have you wait and if ne- if anything, put your name down on those bank accounts as a beneficiary or if your mother is that that would be the best thing, okay? Uh, if your name is already there as a co-owner, then you're going to have access and you're going to get all that money anyway. In fact, you already have it. The law says if your name is on a bank account uh, as a co-owner, then you have access to everything in that in that bank account anyway. 
as an owner. So you're going to get that money anyway. Make sure that your name is listed as a beneficiary on all of her insurance, uh, retirement, any kind of any kind of you know annuity, any anything like that, life insurance, and so on. So you want to make sure about that, okay? Uh, but but that tax basis thing catches a lot of people. So you want to be very careful about that. If your name is on her bank accounts as a power of attorney, power of attorney, okay, try to make sure it's also there as a beneficiary. I'm assuming you're an only child and that's what she wants to have happen, okay? If yes. it's on as a, a, a power of attorney, make sure you're also on as a beneficiary. And legally, a power of attorney is a fiduciary agent for that person, meaning that the money that she has in her bank account that you have access to because you're her power of attorney is really solely to be used for her benefit, okay? In other words, the money that she has, and this is true if you're a co-trustee on a trust, if you're, you know, you are a fiduciary, meaning that money doesn't belong to you. That money continues to belong to her until she dies and is supposed to only be used for her benefit. Okay, and I'm and and I know your situation, you know, is a little fuzzy because you're an only child and and all like that. But I want everybody to understand that when you are a power of attorney for someone, you are using that for their benefit. It doesn't become your money. Okay, so so that's a long answer. I know. It's not quite as clear cut as it may seem to be, but you know, um, you know, you can we can do a consultation. You can send me a copy of the documents, and and we can look at it, and then I can tell you what what will happen when she dies. People are beginning to do that now. I had someone similar in a similar situation where he was not the. Uh, son, but was the nephew and was named as the personal representative of his aunt's will. And the aunt had different properties. She lived in a different state and she had different people who were going to get, you know, these different properties and different percentages and so on like that. And it was a will. So I said, send me the will. And we had a, a consultation and I explained to him what he would be called upon to do and strongly recommended that he get a lawyer in the state where his aunt lived and put this stuff into a trust. I understand that there was a caller that had a question about how do you get property out of a trust? Well, the first thing you have to do is find out. Uh, well, let me first explain. I don't have much time. Sorry. Uh, you, it depends on what the terms of the trust are. Okay, I'm assuming, and it, this may not be correct, but I'm assuming that the trust is a, a trust that was created for the benefit of someone, by someone for the benefit of someone. So you have to know, and to have property in the trust, it means that the deed was changed or the bank account title was changed to the name of the trust. You have to know what the terms of the trust are, who's supposed to get it. 
But the legal steps to, let's say we put a house in a trust and it says when I die, give it to my son or my daughter, the, the, the legal document that actually transfers it from the trust to that person pursuant to the terms of the trust is a deed. A deed is prepared by a lawyer that is, is, says that from whoever the trustee of the trust is, now pursuant to Article so-and-so or so-and-so of the trust, transfers this property to whoever the trust says is supposed to get it. And so that's the way in which the property comes out of that kind of a trust. Um, I hope you're not confusing it with a deed of trust, okay? Those are it's the deed that I'm talking about that takes it out of the trust is a deed, period. A deed that a deed of trust that you see, they don't use that term so much anymore, but that's actually a mortgage. A deed of trust is a mortgage that when paid off you file a satisfaction of that. But years ago, they used to use the term deed of trust as a debt instrument, and that confuses a lot of people. In fact, a lot of people, when I tell them, bring me their deed, they, they bring the deed of trust. So if it's a deed of trust, if those, those are the words on the, on the instrument that you are concerned about, that is satisfied when you pay off the mortgage and you need to get a certificate of satisfaction. Sometimes it's called a satisfaction and release. That's how you get the deed of trust off the title to the property. If on the other hand, like I said, it's actually a deed of property that is owned by a trust, then you have to look at the terms of the trust and have whoever the trustee is to execute a deed that's prepared by a lawyer to transfer it to who the trust says is supposed to get it, okay? So you're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. This is the only kind of law we do. I have a young lawyer that's starting to work with me that I want to train to do this and presumably maybe in the future more uh, because this is really important stuff. It, it controls the disposition of your assets after your death. And most importantly, it empowers you to direct and control where your assets go. And of course, it empowers the person or persons to whom you direct those assets. So please, I beg of you, get your wills and your trust, your power of attorneys, your medical directives prepared by a lawyer. Get them executed. So you can always change them. This is one thing that as long as you're in your right mind, you can change them. But it is critically important if you want the people that you want to be sure to be able to get your stuff, have access to it. If you want to empower the particular persons that you want to take care of you if you have a stroke, 
you have a heart attack, you have any COVID, um, uh, anything that makes you unable to manage your own legal and financial affairs or unable to make medical decisions for yourself. That's what these documents do. They're really, it's very empowering to make sure. I like that term that the way my clients explained it to to me even uh, yesterday, it really empowers you and it empowers the person that you designate to receive what you want them to get when you when you die and to take care of you while you are alive if it's needed. So do that. Be responsible. Be self-protective. It's a self-protection thing. Okay? And um, give us a call. If you or your parents or your grandparents expect you to do this for you for them, blame me. You can say, Mom, Dad, I heard this lawyer on the radio, and she said you have to do a will or a trust or a power of attorney, or you have to do this in order for me to be able to do that for you because it's true. People are unpleasantly surprised when they find out that they can't do what they thought they could do, that they can't do what their mother or their father told them to do. It's really, really important. Um, And that it takes so much time and money and expenses in order to get it done. When you can usually get things done, once they're put in place, then it definitely makes a difference in how you're able to manage your affairs. It makes a difference. So give us a call at Wills and Trust LLC, 240-638-2828-240-638-2828. In the meantime, continue to be safe, please. As I said earlier in the program, I heard of three people who died from COVID over Christmas. Three people who died from COVID over Christmas. Those are just the ones that people have told me about. Parents of one client, two of them, both of them died from COVID. Another lady in her late 50s, early 60s had been healthy, died from COVID. Um, So don't let your guard down. Don't let your mask down. If you haven't already, get the booster, not just the shots. They're now saying the boosters make a big difference, too. I know it's hard. I'm sick and tired of it myself, but just hang in there, okay, and be safe. Take care and be safe, and I will be back next week. Listen to the podcast. There's a lot of really good information on the podcast. 